Hey guys, welcome to the first full episode of the NeoWin podcast. And thanks to everybody for for all the feedback that we've received over the last two weeks for our beta episodes. I'm Rich Woods. And I'm Jean Carrascaida. And we have a ton of stuff to talk about today. By the way, I'm reading these show notes in OneNote, and it has dark theme now, which is incredible. Yeah, it's (laughs) awesome. And actually, I saw the news back uh, when they were announced this week, and I didn't get it. And today, just now, I opened it up so we could start recording that. And it's dark now. <laughs> and I've been at Build all week, so so I was complaining to the OneNote guys. I'm like, why why don't I have this? I want this. This is all I want. <laughs> so now I, I I got home and I booted up my desktop this morning, and it's it's there. And what's cool about it is that it actually follows your system settings, whereas so many Microsoft apps just leave you at light theme, and you have to turn on the setting to to have it reflect your system settings. That's, so I just turned it on and it was dark mode. Yeah, that, that's nice. And that's a complaint I heard you make the other day. It's it's so yeah. obvious. Like, if, if you have this automatic option, why is it that's not available by does. default? <laughs> that's what everyone, I mean, you're turning on dark mode in your, your OS settings. You would think that, that the apps would know that you want those to be dark mode as well. Makes no so. sense. <laughs> yeah, and so it's what everyone else does, but it, it's nice. I just turned it on. It's in dark mode. So 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 we don't have to talk about this later. That's something that, that started shipping to, to Office Insiders earlier earlier this week. And uh it should it should be fully rolled out today to insiders. Yeah, I mean if we got it now, it's probably it's likely that most people have it uh, as well. Yeah. Uh, well all all office all one I don't know I don't know if it's office insiders or one note insiders, but they, they should have it. I don't. I don't think if you if you turn on Insider Builds in OneNote, I don't know if you get Insider Builds for all of Office because OneNote kind of stands on its own. That's yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure either. It, yeah, yeah, it's separate, so probably not. But, so let's talk about Build. It's been a busy week. We had we had Build and Google I/O, two major developer conferences with a lot of news coming out of both. Yeah. And, uh, First on the list is Edge, and that Edge Edge kind of stole the show. Yeah, um, yeah, that, and we we knew they were gonna. They're, they're the new the new hot thing, and um, you know the guys at the Edge booth they they had these Edge Dev T shirts, and they weren't giving them out as swag, and I was so upset. Zach Bowden has one, and and I was so mad at him. <laughs> uh, understandably, I, <laughs> I, I wanted that T shirt so bad. Yeah, and then the, uh, one of the guys on the team, uh, Will Devereaux, used to be with, with OneNote. He sa- he says, "Oh no, it's personalized because his name's Devereaux and it said Dev." He's like, "Oh no, that's my. It's just my name." <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a, that's a good excuse. Yeah. So so few the things they announced coming to to Edge is uh, IE mode. Um, so basically, how Edge works right now is is you know Windows 10 ships with Edge and Internet Explorer, and if you open something that needs Internet Explorer, it opens Internet Explorer. And the problem with that is that a lot of people never end up going back to Edge. They just keep using Internet Explorer. So now Internet Explorer is just going to open within a tab in the new Edge. Um, Another thing they announced is uh, privacy controls, where uh, you can set it to strict, unrestricted, and balanced. Balanced is the default, and that's all about third-party tracking. And then the third thing they announced is collections, which is basically just gathering 
content from around the around the web and, and saving it in various collections. What do you think? Okay, so um, IE mode is great, and yeah. it, it, it's it's about time because we had for a while we had this when 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 they first announced Chromium Edge. A lot of people said that you know they were gonna ask if there were gonna be three browsers now. <laughs> but and... they, they've confirmed that they won't ship three browsers. They won't confirm that they're not shipping Internet Explorer. Yeah, they they say it's, they're gonna maintain it, but I do wonder if if they're just since Internet Explorer is already an optional feature, so you can go to optional features in Windows 10 and you can disable it. I wonder That's if they keep including it, but just have it disabled by default, maybe. And then gradually yeah. maybe move towards removing it entirely. That's a good idea. I mean, well, what, what they would have to do is is it's really businesses that are that are using Internet Explorer for compatibility. So really, they need the, those enterprises to to kind of sign off on on this new feature and say, hey, this is good. So we we don't need Internet Explorer as a separate browser anymore. Yeah, so initially they might not remove IE at all. They're just going to keep it around so business can like make that transition. And then it would make eventually, sense to keep it disabled by default and then... Uh, oh. So, yeah, I was just saying that they may they may remove it entirely later on, but for now they'll just disable it, probably. Yeah. And, and yeah, now you were saying about macOS. Yeah, they showed it off for the first time also at Bill. Looks pretty much yeah, like how it expect. Time. They, they, yeah, it is. Um, they, 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 they had it at the booth. You could go up there. You could play with it. it um, they'll have it in Canary and Dev, and um, yeah, it's it's exactly like it is on Windows. Except the one thing that's going to be different, because I asked them, I said, "Is there anything that's going to be different about this?" They said, "No, it's exactly the same." I said, "What about IE mode?" They said, "Well, not IE mode." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of makes sense, right? Because there's no IE on Mac and. Um, yeah, Mac is so okay. no no one's going to need that kind of compatibility on Mac. And they, they did say that if people's if they get a ton of feedback saying, "Hey, we we need this," that they'll build it. This yeah, team is I, very. Oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, but I don't think that can happen for IE mode. It's like you were saying. I don't no, think so. no one needs. No, no one cares. I don't think. Yeah. Cares. They're very they're very focused on feedback. They're doing a lot of things that. If, if people ask for it, they'll do it. What's really what the, the thing that that I found weird is just that they keep announcing features when kind of the core stuff isn't done. There's like the stuff they promised in the beginning, ARM 64 support, Mac OS, Windows 7, 8.1, um, dark mode, all that stuff. It's, it's just that like they have to release this thing at some point, right? At some point, yeah. they have to stop announcing new features. <laughs> <laughs> and then get it out the door and then add new features. So Yeah. Uh, you think but, it'll be out by like nineteen oh nine Windows with Windows ten nineteen oh nine? Or do you think it'll I, come I, later? They they won't commit to anything, but I, I, I would bet that they're that they're targeting that. And they, and I I don't think nineteen oh nine will will allow you to uh uninstall Edge Spartan. Because 1909 is going to have very few changes from 1903. It's going to come. It's going to be a cumulative update. I'm 99% sure of it. <laughs> yeah, that's the only explanation you could have for the way they're testing 20H20H1 right now. So that yeah. that makes sense. I don't think they're going to increase the major build number. So another thing that we had we had is that Edge might be coming to Linux, and. Um, 
you know, I, I always have a list of questions that I want to ask when I go when I go to events. And one of them was Linux and Chrome OS support, because obviously we have we have Edge on Android. They have Android apps on Chrome, Chrome OS, and, and you can't install it on Chrome OS. So I started asking around why that is and if it, maybe it's coming to Linux, because you could run Linux apps on Chrome OS as well. And um, and then they just showed it in a slide. Like it's it's mm. it, it, I asked them about the slide later, though, and they're like, oh, we're just evaluating those platforms. And all right, but <laughs> it does seem like it's, it very much seems like Edge is coming to Linux, it makes which sense. is fine. I mean, yeah. yeah, they want it to be everywhere, and they, they especially want it to be everywhere that developers are. And um, there's a lot of developers on Linux. They, they talked a lot about why about how that's why they wanted to come to Mac OS, because if you want developers to use your browser, you, you have to be on a Mac. So I think you have to be on Linux as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I would guess there were more developers maybe on Linux than on Mac. No, I don't. I mean, I'm maybe. not sure. I'm not familiar with the developer scenario, but I would assume. I'm not a big so. Linux guy. Those that yeah. know me know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not, not me either. I'm just assuming. <laughs> yeah, um, they they showed they showed a little bit of a roadmap in those sessions too, and um, you know the the PDF inking stuff is coming. The um, the web page markup stuff doesn't seem to be coming. And again, they're looking at feedback. So, so one one guy told me that that PDF inking makes a lot of sense. Annotating and marking up PDFs makes sense. And then, it, but if you want. If you want to mark up a web page, just remember that was one of the key features of, of Edge Spartan when it first came out. And if you want that, you have to kind of decide what you want to do. Do you just want to take a picture of the web page and, and write on it? Because then you could just use the snipping tool or a snip and sketch. And or do you want an interactive web page? And that kind of needs further discussion. So Yeah, um, that's the thing, because when they announced it first for Edge. They were. They made it seem like it was going to be an interactive web page, and you could write right. on it and you can share it. But then it, that didn't turn out to be the case. At least in my experience, I tried to edit no. web pages, and that never really worked that way. It just takes it's, like a screenshot, right? Yeah. So I don't think it makes sense. Never tried it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how so, true it. Yeah. So so what he was getting at though was, was that that if if you want this file feedback, decide what you want, and and like I said, the team is very focused on on feedback and they're they're listening so if people if people want stuff they can ask for it yeah one feature yeah. i really like from the ones that might not even be coming is set aside tabs i actually don't use it that much but this week i was i was writing this article and i needed a lot of tabs open to see what is what i was looking at and sometimes uh, i wanted to close the browser and i couldn't because i would have to open all of those tabs again it was the yeah. only time i realized you know what? This is be really useful right now. And you know, I, you know, you know what though? Um, they the the collections feature they announced could be the the sort of replacement for that. If it is, I'm all for it. I, I could I could really use it. I actually installed an extension now that does kind of the same thing. Oh yeah, just in cool. case. So cool. So uh, we 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 had a leaked Edge beta build. And um, I'm not sure why anyone would install it. Uh, did you install it? I mean, I, I installed it, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure why why anyone else would install it unless you just want the icon. Did you install it? Yeah, I did. And interestingly yeah. enough, next next up we have this new Edge Dev build that I added there. 
And yeah. And uh, the Edge beta also got an update on the same day. But oh, it's did not it? The, it did, but it's not the same update that Edge Dev got. So it's already getting these right. stabilizing updates. I'm, I'm guessing they were already preparing for a public release because it's not the same update that Edge Dev got. It's a more... That's, that's interesting because I, one thing I was curious about is that sometimes these leaked builds just don't get updates. And so that's cool that it did. But um, that I mean, they're not they're not releasing Edge beta you know, this week or next week, it's, it, this is, this is not the, the bill that the public's going to get. Like if, if Canary, if you're, if you're sitting there and saying, no, Canary and Dev are too unstable for me, you know, I, I'm going to wait for beta. Like, why would you install this leaked build? Yeah, that's, that's true. But <laughs> like I said, <laughs> like I said, they got that, they're getting st the stabilization updates apparently. So uh, maybe, you know, it's not worth yeah. it right now, probably, but, there's that point. If if it's getting updates, then you know it's just a way to get it on little early. Right, right. Um, yeah. And so you want to talk about that new uh, dev build that you mentioned? I see we're on Chromium seventy six now. Yeah. So that's the uh, that was one of the changes they made. Uh, so the dev channel has been in the Chromium seventy five channel for, uh, version for a couple of weeks. Yeah, since it's, it's first update, right? Yeah, uh, actually, I think the first dev build yeah, was the, still on 74. Right, I, the I mean, first dev build was 74, and I think the first update was 75. Exactly. So it's yeah. been on 75 since then, and now it's 76. And it's also the biggest update I think we've got for devs so far, because there's a lot of changes here. There's yeah. obviously spell check, which I think was mentioned last week for the Canary Ring, or earlier this week, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And then some slight redesigns in the favorites page. Some very small stuff. I what I had to do to see if anything actually happened. I just opened Dev and Canary side by uh, like full screen, and I just all tabbed between them to see if I could spot any changes because it's so so small. So I just had the pages open on different on different versions, and I, I was switching between them to see if I could spot anything that was different. So it's very slight tweaks, not nothing big. Yeah. And, and yeah. Yeah, improved logic for the new tab page, those quick links that show up. Uh, support for audio decoding for some more formats, apparently. I don't, I've, I've never had any issues with media playback, but uh, if you had, this might help. And yeah, there's also a lot of bug fixes and stuff regarding dark mode, so they're working on it. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, dark mode is one of those things. It's been in there since since the beginning, but you got to turn on the flag. And I don't. I believe it's still not on. I believe you still have to turn on the flag, right? Yeah, yeah. It's still not available in the settings anywhere. It just doesn't. It doesn't work by itself. You have to go to the flag still. But they're making improvements to it. I guess they're they're, they're working on it. They're... Sure. Sure. So I haven't I haven't used it since that original leaked build. It was, uh, I had some problems with it and I haven't used it since. Oh, you, you haven't been using dark mode? No, no, maybe I oh. should. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, I, have, I, I haven't been having any problems with it anymore. I think there was some issues where you would have dark text on a dark background, maybe? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. But I, I haven't seen any of that recently, so it's getting better. Cool. All right, that's enough of, that's enough of Edge. Um, <laughs> But, I mean, we're we're all excited about it, and, and I, I mean, I, I haven't seen this much excitement in so long. So, you know, it's worth talking about. There was so much edge news, and I, I do think it kind of stole the show. So, Mary Jo Foley had a story about how 
The title is Microsoft wants to close the UWP Win32 divide with Windows apps. And so the idea, and, and I've been noticing this trend for a long time, I guess it's kind of official, where, where Microsoft doesn't really talk about UWP much anymore. Uh, I've noticed a big Win32 focus. Uh, recently, they brought Win32 to Windows Mixed Reality, and like they just seem to be bringing Win32 to other platforms rather than just having those run UWP. Like, remember that was the, that was the original value proposition of UWP, right? Which was all Windows 10 devices. So now that they're bringing UWP features to Win32, um, and it's just going to be Windows apps. We're not going to talk about Win32 and UWP anymore. It's just going to be one big thing. Yeah, and they first talked about this last year already. They already said, they already used that term Windows apps, that we shouldn't make that distinction between UWP and yeah. WinForms and all that. They, they said that, ex I think they, they used that exact expression last year when they announced the XAML Islands that featured both the UWP sort of UI to own Windows right. apps. They already used that expression. And I think it's a good thing. You know. Yeah, sure. I mean, it just, it just, I think it's kind of a confusing message, message though, where, where well, I, I guess it's simple in the way that it's just Windows apps, but you, now you kind of, you have two app platforms. UWP was supposed to be the future. It turns out it's not the future, and we're, it is kind of backtracking a little bit. Yeah, they, they said they shouldn't have gone the way of trying to force that. They, they did admit that. I think Mary Jo says that in the article. Yeah, <laughs> we shouldn't have gone that way. You know what's kind of funny, though? Is that they said this when Windows 10 launched too, because because with Windows 8 they tried to force everyone to you know it was all or nothing. You you couldn't get the full screen compat the full screen Windows 8 apps if you, unless you did this. You couldn't get in the store unless you did this. And then Windows with Windows 10 they were like, okay, we shouldn't have tried to force you to do that. So we're gonna let anybody in the store. You know, Win32 apps can go in the store if you want to be on more devices. You got to use UWP. And now they're still realizing that they're trying, they tried too hard to push everyone in one direction. Yeah, so they're slowly opening up. And it, it could be seen as a failure for the platform. Of course, it kind of is. A lot of people are seeing it as a failure. Of course, I mean, if, if it had worked, if, if people had gotten on board, I don't think Microsoft would have backtracked like that. So that's obvious. But well, you, you, you couldn't, you could never expect everyone to rewrite their app. Yeah, that's it's a lot of effort, and that's why I think it's a good thing that Microsoft is changing their mind a little bit and allowing people to slowly make that transition to the new technologies and the UWP stuff. So they say the UWP isn't dead, and in a sense, I think they're right because if if you're bringing these features to all platforms, you're just allowing that developers to make that transition more slowly. I think that's the way I see it. Maybe. Well, so. that 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 was their first thing they started talking about maybe a year and a half or so ago where where they started they started saying like they, they started saying you could slowly make the transition now they they i guess they probably want you to make the transition but they're not actually saying that they're just saying you can put uwp elements in your in your win32 apps with xaml islands yeah it's it's a more unless unless um, sort of pressure pressurizing approach in in which they're just like highlighting the advantages of using certain UWP elements and saying that you can do this now differently instead of saying you should do this so you can this or that so you have the choice you have these new things that you can do but you can also stick with the old things if you want 
And I guess that freedom might convince people to, you know, be a little more open to trying it without feeling that pressure of like, we have to do this and to be relevant or something. Yeah. Well, we had some Cortana improvements. Um, the Well, what they showed off was really cool. You watched the video, right? I did. And I got to be honest, I was really annoyed. <laughs> you were what? I was annoyed by it at some point. I mean, it's cool. Of course, the technology is amazing, but I was right. annoyed so, because so they, 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 show, they first of all, they, they show they showed full a full conversation between a person and Cortana. So so it, and and much more natural language that, than we're used to, where where um, you could call things in your calendar without saying like the the specific name for for the event, like cancel my, my meeting this afternoon and and the event would say meeting with this person or and you would say reschedule it for tomorrow and then say here are some open slots in your schedule it would say 9 30 and 10 o'clock and you can say hey what well what what about the afternoon and then it would show you some new things and it was a whole conversation and what what's what's hard about that is that with with AI um, the possibilities of where the conversation is going to go get exponentially more complicated the longer the conversation goes so i mean it is pretty impressive but go on and tell me what annoyed you about the video now <laughs> it is it is definitely impressive i was it's very impressive and how, how far it can go pick up the context from the rest of the conversation and get all every day of your data it's amazing what i hated about it was the demo was just started feeling like it was so long it was like after the 53rd <laughs> of the conversation i was just thinking we get it. it it works great just, just stop. <laughs> that's, it. that's enough <laughs> i i texted somebody uh dur during the the briefing and, and i was like well I, is this a demo on how to be the most annoying person in the office <laughs> <laughs> because exactly. who wants to who wants to do like who wants to talk to their device that much when you could just pull out your phone and just reschedule it manually in less time to be honest yeah, probably it would be faster. It, yeah. It's cool, but it's, yeah, it's just you're, you're talking longly in the middle of an office and walking around the whole place. Yeah. <laughs> just it's it's just too long. I, I think it, it was too long. I think we can agree that it's very impressive. I just I, I'm just not to be honest, I'm not sold on voice assistants in general because I don't use them because wherever I am, it's just easier to use my device in a more traditional way. Yeah, and the same could be said for the assistant stuff that Google showed off at I.O. Yeah. Like switching between apps, open maps, take me here, take me there. Is it? Yeah, they do did that. the conversational thing as well. And and I honestly, I didn't find it nearly as impressive. But but still, I just I just don't, I would never do it. Yeah, I, yeah, it's pointless. No one wants to be talking to their phone in the middle of like anywhere where people can hear them. It's right. That's awkward. That's the thing. So, Even when I'm by myself, though, I'm in front of a laptop or a desktop, and I'm, you know, it's just easier for me to use a mouse and keyboard to do what I want to do instead of. Um, but I, I mean, I also understand more natural language, more conversational abilities, and and if it becomes more natural to do it, it it could be useful for people that want to. Yeah, I think the idea is that we are more, maybe more comfortable with using our phones and stuff. And for people who this might be aimed at, they just don't want to have to use their phones the same way as much. Maybe they just want to talk and have it done by them, for them. Yeah. So they don't have to. I don't yeah. know. That's a possibility. 
right. also Next showed up that demo. Oh, yeah, I was, yeah, we had that ahead. demo. The, the BMW also had that demo because Microsoft is making it possible for other people to use this sort of conversational framework. Uh, and the, I don't know if you what you didn't. Okay, I thought I thought yeah. it was part of the keynote. Um, so yeah, they had this BMW demo where they were so BMW being an assistant into their cars, and you could ask it to like schedule sort of mechanic services and stuff. And it oh, looked okay. much the same way. There's a, continu a continued conversation where we asked, "Can you schedule it for this day at this time?" And it was just it kept going. It didn't feel as natural as Cortana itself, but it worked. So that was interesting. Nice. Yeah, I, I might have been busy for that. I was I was running around a lot this week, <laughs> and uh, there was a lot there was a lot going on. So uh, um, they announced Windows Terminal and Windows Subsystem for Linux two. That both of them are, are very exciting if you're into those types of thing. I'm not a command line guy, but yeah, the, uh, did you watch the, right the teaser video for Windows Terminal? No, I did not. I I think it's on Twitter, but for some reason I never played. Oh my god! But, so uh, if, if anybody's listening to this, go find the Windows Terminal teaser video. It's amazing because they made it. They made it like a Surface sizzler video they they had the music and i i watched this and i'm like oh man i i need to learn how to use the terminal it's <laughs> it's, it's just the most exciting it's the most exciting video and you're, you're sitting there like guys this is terminal <laughs> so windows terminal it has um it has trans it has transparency the whole thing is transparent um uh, emoji support i believe it's a, a full uwp app it's going to come through the store it's open source, and what's and if you contribute to it, your code might end up in in Windows. Um, yeah, and then and then you have Windows Subsystem for Linux two, which is obviously the first major update to WSL. And Microsoft is actually shipping a Linux kernel with the OS now. Yeah, for the first time. That's 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 insane. Think about it, the likelihood insane. of that. Think about the likelihood of that happening three years ago. Mike or I yeah, know. three. You could you could think three. So, three years ago, Microsoft shipping a Linux kernel in Windows that would be just outrageous. <laughs> but they're doing it's it. Wild. They and are they're, doing it. Yeah, and they're promising up to twenty times the speed for certain tasks. If you look at the dashboard, I said up to twenty times the speed for unloading. I think it was a tar file or something like that. I I don't know if I yeah. can get to that right now, but yeah. Yeah, so these are coming to insiders in June. Uh, I, the, I once again, I assume uh, 20H1. I don't think it'll be 19H2. I don't think. I don't think anything's. I really think 19H2 is just going to be a cumulative update. So I assume it'll be in the fast ring uh, 20H1 builds. Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, I, I again, I'm not I'm not using it, but I, I'm assuming that for people who use this, it's, yeah. it's awesome. <laughs> You know, I'm not a Linux guy. Yeah, um, me, me neither. So. Not, not at all. <laughs> I'm a Windows guy. Um, so there's that. Uh, we had a couple couple more things from builds. It's uh, flu Fluid Framework and uh, Ideas for Word. So Fluid Framework is it's a web app, and, and it's to, um, to break down the barriers of the traditional document as we know it. And they're promising co-authoring at speeds never before achieved uh, um, 
And that, that basically they want to, I guess, redefine what a, what a document is. So, you know, that it's, it's going to be available later on this year. I, I didn't get to demo it. They, 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 there wasn't a lot of office stuff out on the show floor. The other thing was that, was that that ideas and word is they called it your your AI powered editor in the cloud or whatever, and um, that should give you suggestions while you're writing to write better stuff, I guess. Yes. Yeah, so the Fluid framework. I, I read the announcement you wrote, and yeah, I actually had to look it up separately because I, I wasn't getting like what was so different about it. So I had to try go to try to find demo videos from Bill because I didn't see it anywhere yeah. either. So I, tried, I went to try to look. And yeah, it's pretty much just imagining co-authoring, but the way we have it kind of in the, the office apps right now, but just much faster. And so much yeah. so that that you can, you can the one of the demos I thought was interesting is you had this, I think it was an Excel file or something, and mm -hmm. then, or a table or some, uh, something like that. And then they sent that that table through Microsoft Teams and they could edit it in Excel, but the people in Teams could also co-author it from Teams, and it's just all synced together at the same time. It's all in real time. Sure. There, that was I thought that was pretty cool the way it worked so fast, and you can just have it like embedded into anything you're using, so you can share it with people, and anyone can work on it without shifting away from what you're using right now. Absolutely, and you know, Microsoft is a company that that understands productivity, you know, and not much else. So, so, so they're they're good at stuff like this. This is this is actually pretty exciting. I was very impressed the first time I saw the announcement. I wasn't sure what it was, so I was wondering what is it. But then I looked it up and I saw those demos, and I was wow, that's that's pretty cool. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, and then so all right, so that's enough about build. That that pretty much sums up the uh, the headlines from build. We also we got, we got a new Windows 10 Insider preview and a new SDK preview. You want to talk about that? Okay, so the Windows 10, uh, the 20H preview, the build that we got for Insiders, the actual OS is built 18.8.9.4. And the only new stuff we have, it's the first time we have new stuff for one thing uh, in the in the 20H rendering. So far, it's been very minor Pretty things. Much. Yeah. So this is the first time we have new things. It's this new search experience that actually has these search results with icons and all that. So it looks much more like the rest of Windows 10. It has this sort of more Windows 10-ish feel, more like the search experience in the search box and all that. I don't have it. This is for just for a subset of Windows Insiders. I updated it. I don't have that. So oh, is it? I, I haven't I haven't updated to the new build yet because I mean I I just got home at around 11 o'clock last night and, and I woke up today and we started recording. So, so there's not a lot of uh, stuff that, that I've had a chance to catch up on since I got home. So, so it's just for a subset of insiders. So you don't, you don't have it yet. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, right. I haven't been able to, to try it. It looks That's a nice. bummer since it's the only new feature. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't deserve anything. That's fine. It's <laughs> it's because you're in Portugal. <laughs> Exactly. It all it always comes down to that. Yeah. yeah. Then we had a new SDK preview. Yeah. So that's the first one in the twenty H one ring. So that's nice. I it's a little early, I think, for the first 
uh, SDK um, for an update that's coming next year. I don't know how early they usually come leading up to the release. Well, we've never had insider preview builds this early before. That, that, that's also true. So I mean, again, like like that that once again makes makes me ask about 19H2. Like that that really got me thinking about it when I saw that this thing came out because you're putting out 20H1 SDKs when uh 19h2 is still coming so maybe there won't even be a 19h2 sdk i don't know yeah that, that's that makes sense maybe they're just not gonna have any new apis or anything for that for that release yeah, yeah. Which well is i mean the, again they're i don't i really don't think they're gonna increase a major build number it's gonna be 18362 dot like you know 2000 or 3000 or something and Remember, because because they only have to support 19.03 for 18 months now, that, um, and the full release is going to be 30 months. So they don't have to worry about increasing that minor build number for too much by 19, uh, 19.03, if that made sense. Uh, I, th I think so. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, you know... Um, Obviously, if, if they if they increase the minor build number for for nineteen H two, they have to, it ha they have to start it at high enough so that nineteen oh three won't catch up to it at some point. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> that would have been an easier way to say it. <laughs> so I mean, I like they, they could probably start at two thousand because they only have to put out eighteen months of updates for for nineteen oh three. Oh yeah, that makes sense. But they could also yeah. just increase the major build number by a little bit. You remember when uh, don't Windows 10? Well, I don't think they're going to do 18.363 or anything. Uh, maybe not. I was just thinking because of when um, Windows 10 Mobile started dying, the Final Heroes update, they shift, they separated the uh, Redstone 2 branches for PC and mobile, and they just increased a little bit on mobile and increased much more on PC. <laughs> I was thinking about a that. A feature 2 for PC. They exactly. call it feature 3. Exactly. <laughs> Something like that. They could. That's what I was thinking of. I don't know. You know? Yeah, they, anything, they could. They could do cumulative updates and insider testing and then throw it all into one major build uh, at the end. You know, yeah. like a service pack, really. Yeah, anything could happen at this point. We have no idea. Yeah, yeah. but but I because of that, I really don't think there will be major new features. Things like shipping a Linux kernel in Windows uh, won't won't make it into into an update like that. Yeah, I don't think so. This is all probably leading up to next year. And that's that might also be why we have so many new things announced right now. So Because maybe they're all going to come at once next year. That'd be nice. For once, you're not going to have to wait for like three update cycles for something to show yeah. up. All right, <laughs> so. it's time for Google I.O., which, um, you know, I, I talked a lot about Build. You're going to have to talk more about this because <laughs> I was at Build. <laughs> All right, so Google I.O. had a, a few announcements. Uh, most notable one, probably the Pixel 3a. So that, that wasn't unexpected. We, we heard a lot about it leading up yeah, to Yeah, we talked about that last week. By the way, they beat Microsoft two phones to zero. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't Tell us about Microsoft. the Pixel 3a, though. So pretty much uh, Pixel 3a is just trying to make the Pixel 3 and 3XL cheaper by lowering some of the specs on the inside, 
but they're still trying to offer a lot of the same experience. So you got all those camera features like Night Sight, which is very popular in the Pixel 3. You still have that. Like the sensor itself also seems to be similar. You got the 12 megapixel camera. It's all very similar. You still have the squeeze feature to summon Google Assistant, which I was pretty surprised at. I don't, I don't know why did. Yeah. they didn't include something like that. But I don't, I don't they think did. it's a good feature. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't like anything where they want me to squeeze my phone because it just gets to be a pain. Yeah, it's, it's kind of strange, but it's there if, if you use it for whatever reason. Um, yeah. Oh, they're also shipping that, that AR experience in Google Maps. So if you're walking, you see, instead of looking at the directions from that top-down view, you can look using like street view when the, the directions are in front of you. Yeah. They demoed that last year, and now it's apparently going to be available for Pixel phones. And that's kind of cool. You know, one so, thing I thought was great was just that, that they, they mentioned they mentioned that, that the 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 price of flagship phones is going up and they mentioned that it's a problem. I don't, I, no other OEM has, has mentioned that. Right. Yeah. You said that on Twitter too. Uh, yeah. It's, it's true. They were the first ones I hear that are saying that. And yeah. that's interesting because even companies like OnePlus have been hiking their prices more and more. Yeah. Each release. So it's interesting to see Google of all companies come out and say something like that. Yeah, but, and I I can't wait to to spend some. I by the way, I have one. <laughs> I, it, I I haven't opened it yet. You know, I'm gonna make a a video later on today, and it I I knew I was getting one, and I was in Seattle, and I couldn't wait to get home and actually get my uh, hands on this thing. So yeah, but Google of course isn't just giving stuff away. So you're getting downgraded to a Snapdragon 670 CPU right. chipset. So that's a little not quite on par with the 845 on the Pixel 3. It still has an OLED display, which is nice, but I'm guessing it's not the same kind of panel that's on the Pixel 3 because they have to cut yeah. corners somewhere. <laughs> they did. Of... I mean, obviously. it's. I mean, it's like half the price. So... Yeah. So, But it's interesting. It's a very interesting offer. Um, Hopefully more companies have this idea or they can have, offer like a flagship level experience for a lower price. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Motorola kind of go tries to go that route with the Moto G with that uh, with just value for money, and it's um, it's also that like that's kind of about good enough because the flagship experience today really provides more than just about anybody needs, so. Uh, Google's promising a great camera with this with night sight and and if it can actually deliver a, a a camera that's on par with flagship cameras at this price point that that's a really big deal. Yeah, because I think that's the most important part of a smartphone for a lot of people. A yeah. camera, they just people just really want a good camera. And night sight is well, like I said, it's very popular. It's so. a differentiating feature, right? Because because if you if you don't care about the camera, and a lot of people don't, um, all you really need is a 1080p OLED display and a decent processing power, and you could get that in a, in a phone at this price point. Yeah, that's uh, the camera is usually where a lot of phones that this cheap, uh, you know, cut corners. It's that's uh, usually where you miss out the most when you start going yeah. down in price. It's also a problem with OnePlus. The camera is not as good as most other flagship flagships. So, 
if they can deliver that on this phone, I think that's a very big deal for them and for you know the industry as a whole. Sure. Sure. Let's talk about Android Q. What do we got in Android Q? Because I have no idea. <laughs> uh, so, I didn't write this, but uh, so we have supports for foldable devices. That's not exactly Wait, new. Did, we did know I write it? Them. No, it was Abe. Uh, Abe. Oh, thank God. I, I, th I, th I thought I thought for a second that you were going to tell me I wrote it, even though I have no idea what it says, because <laughs> that is entirely possible with the week like this week. No, it's not. It's not that bad. You're not crazy. <laughs> so right, go on. What, what do we got? Okay, so we have support for foldable devices. That's not new. We knew that it was coming. Yeah, and yes, that stuff like screen continuity and app continuity that Samsung announced for the Galaxy Fold, which wasn't coming with Android Q. So basically, Google was just implementing features from that right. experience into Android itself. So that's nice. They say they have multiple foldable devices coming this year. I don't know if they're just counting the Fold and the Huawei Mate X, or if there's something we haven't heard of. Anything's possible. Well. Uh, um... They did say from, what do they say, from many OEMs, right? Multiple, yeah. multiple OEMs. So I'm sure it's not just Huawei and Samsung. I, I, I have no doubt that there's more. It's, it's very like the way they worded it, I think. Yeah. It, 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 it has to be. So then there's features like live caption, which I wrote about separately. So it's a, technology, it's a thing where they basically caption videos automatically. So you have a video playing on your screen. It doesn't have to be for any specific service. If you have a video on your phone, if you're playing through the Photos app, it's going to be captioned automatically. You can do that. This is for people who have you know, hearing impairments and stuff right. like that. So that's, that's cool. cool. And they said that it, it, all, it can all be done offline too. Yeah, they also show that working offline. I don't, that's yeah. just device intelligence, so that's, that's good. They also showed off in that context, they showed off a, a prototype of it working with calls where you can have the call transcribed and you could reply with text and then the text would be synthesized into voice for the other person to hear. So that's kind yeah. of interesting, but that's not coming yet. That's just a, in research phase for now. So moving on from that, we have smart replies being integrated into notifications themselves. So you can, you know how Google sometimes suggests stuff like you can say sure or just agree with something, like when we got a, an email, oh, yeah. you can just say thanks for that. So now they're integrating that into Android notifications, and you can, not just Google Apps can use it now. So if, if uh, you get a message in any messaging app, they can implement those smart replies into the notification. You can just reply immediately from the notification, those quick bits. So that's Pretty also cool. interesting. Uh, the, there's dark theme, of course. You've also heard of it. Yeah, I th is it's this about... the first time that they actually um, publicly announced it? Because we've known it was coming for for a while. I remember it was XDA that found it first. Um, is this the first time that Google actually said it? I think it is, right? I, I think so. I think they've never really come out and say they're going to have dark theme. Some people noticed with Android, uh, the first developer beta, is that if you enable battery saver, it on, automatically turns on dark theme, and that that's wow. confirmed too. So the, the, when you turn on battery saver, it switches to dark theme automatically, because Google keeps insisting on this idea that uh, dark colors save battery in OLED. And I remember you saying yeah. a while back that when you tested it with <laughs> Windows Phone, 
that did not happen for you. So I, I have not been able to, well, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm saying I have not been able to prove it with battery tests. And I, you know, I, I have a Pixel 3 XL that, and I will, I'll try it out. I'm, I'm gonna, I'll run a battery test on light mode and I'll run a battery test on dark mode and we'll, and we'll see. So yeah, they keep saying that. Let's see, let's see, because we've heard about this for a while. So I was very surprised when you told me that uh, that you tested it and didn't see any difference. So, yeah. so there's that, and hope it's, it's about time because Google has been implementing dark mode into some of its apps. If you even if you're on Android Pie right now, the phone app, Messages app, YouTube, Contacts, some of those apps are where they have dark theme. But you kind of have to set them individually. You have to go to settings for each app. Sometimes they propagate. Sometimes they don't. It's kind of strange. I don't know what, what's up with that. So do you think that when, when you can set a system-wide dark theme that all these apps will just turn it on by default? Well, if they do a better job than Microsoft. <laughs> nice. Hopefully. <laughs> I, 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 I set them up and you just knocked them down with that one. Great job. <laughs> So hopefully, <laughs> yeah. Um, so then there's also privacy updates. They say they're gonna be in privacy settings in like the front, the forefront of the settings app. They're gonna have like a section just for privacy stuff. That's nice. They have a whole array of privacy settings even outside of Android. It's like self-deleting history for activity history and location history. You can set a timer for a timer like three months or eighteen months for it to disappear automatically. Uh, incognito mode for more apps like maps, search and stuff. You can just turn on incognito mode so Google doesn't track you when you're using it. Stuff like that. A lot of stuff around privacy, which is good for Google because they're, they're not very well known. They're not exactly known <laughs> as a privacy company, right? So yeah. that's good for them. And then yeah. more improvements to OS updates. So they've been working on this for a while with project travel and more updates related yeah. to to the update system. And now, so in Android Pie, one thing that's changed is that most of the update process is done with the phone on. You just have to reboot once, and it's mostly a normal reboot. It just like shuts down using the files that you had before and boots back up with the new files, and sure. that's it. So what they're changing now is making that even easier so that there's more modules to the, to the experience, and you can actually update them without even having to reboot the phone at all. You're so talking about not... Project Mainstream? Is that what they're? Uh, I, I'm not sure if that's the name they gave it, but it's possible. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the thing with the security updates, right? Where you can... Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they're, they're making it modular like that. Yeah. Um, so because... that's cool. Let's talk that's about great. the beta. I'm oh, pumped. Yes. I am so pumped for this. <laughs> so... There's a new beta version, which I think includes most of the news they announced for most of these features. I think the new beta has all of that. And yeah. what's really interesting about it, so last year at I.O., Google opened up the beta program for non-Pixel devices for the first time. And we had stuff yeah. like the Nokia 7 Plus, the OnePlus 6, uh, the essential phone. We had about, I think, 11 devices or so. This year, Google's going even further, and they're adding 21 devices total. Yeah. Uh, That's including the six pixels. Exactly. So it's 21 devices, including six pixels. I think that's so cool. Uh, well, you know, um, I think that some of them are a little more 
a little more mainstream than the ones last year. Because I remember going down that list and being like, who has these things? Except for maybe the OnePlus. Uh, but now we got we got the OnePlus 6T, the uh, LG G8. Still no Samsung on there, which I don't know if that'll ever change. Yeah, I don't think Samsung really wants to adhere, adhere to the to this stuff. Because this yeah. implies that you uh, that you want to work with like the core Android things, and I don't think Samsung wants to. They're so focused on their own interface and ecosystem. But I, by the way, speaking of someone that that's so focused on their own interface, their own ecosystem, and has a very thick uh, software layer, you know, Huawei's on the list this year with the A20 Pro. Yeah, that was surprising too. I actually thought when they, when I saw the name Huawei, I thought maybe it'd be the P30, but no, it's the Mate 20. So it would uh, be nice uh, if it was like the P30 Pro, just just because um, now I I have to use both. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's great. It's uh, so it's 21 phones now. It's awesome. A lot of them are not very well known. You still have the Realme stuff. This is for these yeah, brands yeah, are more popular. Yeah, these yeah. are more popular in other markets that are not ours. Right. Well, I was surprised Emo, that it's Techno Spark 3. I have no idea. Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing until. Yeah, me, me neither. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was surprised that the Essential Phone was on this because the Essential Phone came out in 2017, I think. Right. With Android. I don't know. Nougat. With Android. Nougat. Who even knows what's going on with Essential and their phone? That, that, yeah, it's so surprising because you keep hearing about. Uh, bankruptcy, they're going shutting down, they're rebooting, they're not making a phone, then they're making a phone, and they're still this does, yeah, go ahead. part of this. So Yeah, this does more or less prove that they're still alive in some sense. You know, they're still actively supporting their phone, um, especially with new betas. By the way, if, if, you, if you've got one of these third-party devices, uh, Google's not providing the beta to you uh, that you you have to go to your OEM to 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 get it, and I'm not I'm sure it works differently with each OEM. So Essential does have a, a big part in this. It's not just you know they checked a box on a form somewhere. Yeah, like I said, it has to be downloaded from each form, from each uh, yeah. manufacturer. So they, right. they distribute it differently because I guess they can integrate it with their own parts of Android. If they have a skin or something, they can work on the integration and deliver that all together. It's, it's not like you're getting a stock build of Android through the beta. It's right. still going to be the same experience. It's just changing what's underneath it. Yeah. So that's pretty that's, cool though. Yeah, it, it is pretty nice. I was very sad that the Nokia phone they chose was the 8.1 because I have the 7.1. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, and they well. don't typically add more to this list over time, do they? No, I don't think they did that last year. Yeah, um, so I don't look again. That's that's just how my life is now. So <laughs> <laughs> it's because the Nokia seven point one is in Portugal. <laughs> it, it is because you, you know what the eight point one is not in Portugal. The eight point one. Oh, is, so <laughs> they're just confirmed. doing this specific. They're just doing this specifically to annoy me. That's that's the only explanation at this point. Yeah, that's really. <laughs> Yeah, I've got a few phones on this list, and, and I, I'm looking forward to trying out, uh, particularly on the Huawei, just because I've never ran a, a beta on a Huawei like like that before. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I yeah. I wonder if they're also shipping a, a new version of EMUI or something. Probably not, but maybe. 
Uh, well, I'll find out. You know? <laughs> um, I'm home now, so I can finally try this stuff out. All I brought with me to 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 build was an iPhone and a Huawei P30 Pro. So I didn't bring extra phones. I didn't bring a Pixel with me, although I probably should have. I could have installed that. The I knew there was going to be a beta for that. Yeah. yeah. That. Oh. Well, I tried to travel it. light this year. <laughs> Oh, did yeah, you end up just taking the always connected PC? I know you talked about it on Twitter. You were just no, I, I didn't bring an always connected PC. I, I was going to, well, I, I have four cellular PCs. And, and just for anyone listening, when I say always connected PC, I'm not talking about a Snapdragon. I was going to bring an Intel that's made by, by HP. And um, it's it's an EliteBook 840 G5, and it's got a Core i7, 32 gigs of RAM, terabyte SSD, uh, a 4 gigabyte AMD Radeon GPU, and 4G LTE. It's awesome, but I feel very guilty bringing devices on trips that I'm not currently reviewing because, because obviously I have to spend time with the device I'm reviewing. So I bought a, I brought a, a Lenovo ThinkPad T490, uh, the 1440p Dolby Vision display, 16 gigs of RAM, i7, um, you know, terabyte SSD, and, and it held up the whole time. It was nice. Yeah, you, you, you like the ThinkPads. I, I love ThinkPads, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and I like I, as much as I wanted to bring the HP, I, I had I ended up having to bring one that at least one that I'm currently reviewing. So that it was it was it was it's a good device though. It's it's solid. So you gotta stay tuned for your review now. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> keep yeah, checking I, me in, guys. Yeah, so I mean, well, this this is the first year that they've actually offered uh, 1440p and Dolby Vision on the T series, and the T series is it's the most popular ThinkPad uh, out of any ThinkPad. So, you know, I got to spend some time with it this week, and and it was good. So, Android usage. Let's so, talk about Android usage. All right. Not that so, anyone really cares about the actual usage, but this is the first time that it's been updated since. Um, October twenty sixth. Oh wow, that's, that's a long time. <laughs> okay. Yeah, usually they do it monthly. Yeah, it's that's kind of strange. I guess they, they didn't want to be ashamed of how low their pie usage is because it's still like yeah, but... just ten percent. <laughs> but they put up these pathetic numbers every month prior to that. <laughs> Why? <laughs> what was the difference? I, I I really enjoyed up until a few days ago that I could say. Android Pie is on less than 0.1% of devices, according to Google's latest usage report, because the latest <laughs> usage report was six months old. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's nice. Yeah, so, so now it's on 10.4%, which is probably about what we, we would expect this, this far in. And um, yeah, It's yeah. still pretty slow, as it always is with Android. Yeah. It's a big, the fragmentation is kind of a problem. Oreo's uh, on... Oreo's on uh, just over 28%, which is also known as one Windows 10 version 1809. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's all pretty fragmented as always with Android. Yeah, hopefully Google can improve that with this modularity they're implementing it into the system. Yeah. Yeah, well, Project Treble, hopefully it rolls out in more devices. I mean, we're seeing more Android Q beta, so, you know, hopefully yeah. that that... Turns Project, into more Android Q updates. Yeah, Project Travel is mandatory if you're shipping uh, Android 8.0 or higher with the Google yeah, Play and new services. devices, right? 
Exactly. The thing yeah. is, yeah. it doesn't. It, the fact that you have budget travel doesn't mean that you're, that the manufacturer is willing to update it anyway. Because I think that's right. the problem. Uh, right. Well, companies well, it's, like it's Samsung. also like like this is shipping in new devices. When, when did they announce Project Travel? That was last a year ago at I/O. Two years I, ago. I think it was two years ago because it started being shipped with Oreo. Okay. I think it started okay, being shipped so, with Oreo. Right. Okay. And then, then you could upgrade to Pi. So, so thing is new, new devices are kind of getting uh, upgraded already. All, all the stuff that we're seeing, the 6.9% on KitKat, uh, 14.5 still on Lollipop. Uh, those are, a lot of those are older devices, older low end devices that obviously did not ship with, with Treble. So, so to get higher numbers on Pi or Q, I, I think this stuff is going to take time before it actually turns into real usage share and actually makes a real difference. Yeah, because um, you have to understand that Android phones are not like iPhones, where people will buy them have a certain amount, a certain uh, capability to buy new phones every now and then. A lot of people using Android phones have cheap Android phones, and they don't upgrade for a long time. That's true. So they still have a lot of people with KitKat and Lollipop and stuff that they're never going to upgrade until the phone breaks. 0.3%. 0.3% are still on gingerbread. So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> they said, what, 2.5 billion uh, Android devices now? What's 0.3% of 2.5 billion? It's still a lot. Yeah, I, I don't know math, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm not, yeah, that's. I'm but yeah, that's that's still a lot of people. So that's that's something to consider. Once those devices start to phase out, maybe we'll see that change. But that's taking that's going to take a while. And, and they will. I mean, the thing is, it, I I've been covering these these usage reports for for a while, and what usually happens is that is that that it goes down, it goes down, it goes down, and then it kind of levels off around that zero point three percent. Like these are just people that are just either using their, their device and they're never going to upgrade or, or, you know, or they, they just have one. I don't know. But yeah. it, the, that number doesn't, at this point, it just moves very, very slowly before Gingerbread actually comes off the list. But th things like, like uh, Nougat and Marshmallow and Lollipop, we'll see rapid declines from those um, until it gets very low. That's true. Uh, they, they've been transitioning, I think, maybe even faster than usual since travel became a thing. You know, you don't have yeah. that many on Oreo anymore. I mean, it's still 28%, true. but you'd probably well, expect it to be more. Yeah, yeah. All right, last thing on the list is Intel Ice Lake. So finally, we have a sort of solid <laughs> time frame. It took only three years, but we're finally here. <laughs> so... yeah. The 10 nanometer processors are shipping to manufacturers in June. And uh, so then, they say. So they say. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, this time they stick to it. Yeah. And then those computers with those, with those processors will start being in shelves in the holiday season. This, this they have announced earlier this year. So and they haven't actually announced any, any Ice Lake products. No, not specifically. They just said that. <laughs> okay. They're just saying this processor technology is coming, but no real products are. I don't know when they're gonna when they're planning to do that. But 
Yeah. Well, obviously between now and June, right? Um, <laughs> I, I I I assume I assume that they can stick to this. I, I assume that that ten nanometers ice lake. If you announce something a month out like this, it, it's. I assume they're ready to do it. Yeah. At this point, I don't think they they have that sort of margin to delay it again. Do they yeah. have to delay? The yeah. other part, I don't know. Oh, go on. Talk. Tell us about the other part. Oh, I was just going to read the, the improvements they're promising for 10 nanometers because it's interesting. Oh, okay. Three times the wireless speed, two times yeah. the speed for video encoding and graphics, and between 2.5 and three times the speed for artificial intelligence compared to the previous generation. So those are some pretty significant improvements considering... Compared so to the previous... Okay. So I don't know what generation they're talking about because they haven't announced any products. I don't know if this is U series, H series, but... Well, they would it would have to be compared to to eighth generation. Um, the th- well, I, I mean, I I imagine U series because that that and possibly Y series as well because they announced ninth gen H series already. Uh, I think we talked about that last week, and um, they've announced pretty much all the ninth gen desktop processors a lot and a lot of. A lot of switching from 14 nanometers to 10 nanometers has to do with efficiency, so that that will help battery life on those on those mobile processors like U series and Y series. So, so I think that's a would be a good place to start. Yeah, that is the most logical place. But it's interesting because it's it's pretty significant if you consider how much the eight generation U series already improved because it doubled the number of cores. So yeah, improve. This is a pretty big improvement if you compare it to an eight-generation processor, which is already being a big improvement by itself. Yeah, sure. So it'll sure. be interesting so to see how well this, how well that does. It's good because because so long for so long we didn't get real improvements. You know, when you went from sixth-generation Skylake to seventh-gen KV Lake, th- there wasn't much to talk about there. So so we got a big improvement going from seventh to eighth gen, and now we'll have a big improvement going from eighth to ninth gen. Yeah, that doesn't usually happen. Usually, you have that TikTok cycle where we had one generation that improved performance more, and then another one that just minor stuff with power efficiency or whatever it was. Yeah. So now we have these two big upgrades in a row. So that's nice. Yeah. So you want? Then they also promised seven nanometers. Yeah, right. they're they're talking about seven nanometers for twenty twenty one. That I don't. Uh, <laughs> Don't believe it for a second. I'll believe it when I see it, and I don't think we'll see it in 2021. Uh, we have reasons to be skeptical. After, after, <laughs> <laughs> to put it lightly. <laughs> after what happened with 10 enemies, we have a lot of reasons to be skeptical. But if they do follow through, there's also some nice stuff. They say don't deliver twice the scaling, whatever that means. 20% more performance per watt, so energy savings, obviously. That's what you expect. And four times reduction of the redesign room complexity, or whatever that means as well. <laughs> I'm, I'm not making processors. Uh, and then it's the first time they're using extreme ultraviolet lithography, which they say will app drive scaling for multiple node generations. So hopefully my interpretation of this could be very wrong because I, I have no idea how this stuff works. But hopefully <laughs> that means they can you know, continue shrink more quickly shrinking the sizes. You know, they have the same kind of problems. If the the node size reduces again, 
they won't have the same kind of delays that we had in 10 nanometers. Uh, that'd okay. be nice. Oh. I, I'll pretend I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just I, I just Yeah, I mean, uh, for those that don't know, uh, 10 nanometers was supposed to ship in, I believe, 2016. We're, we're years late on this. And, and it's finally happening. It looks like it is finally happening. All the ninth gen processes we've seen so far are 14 nanometers. And um, so the rest of them, I guess, are going to be 10 nanometers. I just, I, it's it's hard to believe that, that, they, that they can get to 7 nanometers in such a short period of time now. No matter what they say. Uh, yeah, it's it's not going to be... It, we can't take the word for it that easily after what <laughs> happened. But, you know, I, I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm just a, a hopeful person in general. Like, yes, <laughs> so optimistic. <laughs> you know? so, I, I mean, they, they could, you know. Um, there, there's Moore's Law, right? And, and they've... Moore's Law has stalled. And... They've been at 14 nanometers because, you know, when they announced the newest U-series processes, they compared it to devices that came out three years ago because they said these were the last to support Windows 7. But those devices they were comparing it to were still 14 nanometers. Usually, usually they when they compare it to previous generations, by the way, when it says previous generation, they could just mean 14 nanometers. But... Yeah, usually it's like like a five year thing where it's a fourteen versus twenty two nanometers. When you're looking back a few years and you're still on the same node size, that's just weird. Yeah, it's been five years since fourteen nanometers. That's yeah, that's a long time. And I mean, now you know, we've seen what was the first one was in Broadwell. Oh, I am not sure. I I wasn't informed at that point, so. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember. That's, that was a while back. Yeah, it's Broadwell. That's the that's fifth gen. Oh, it's okay. Fifth so, generation core. Yeah. Okay, so it's it's been it's been some time. It has been uh, some time. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Hopefully, maybe maybe the 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 idea is that they get these hurdles to get them to shrink to ten nanometers, and maybe. If you if you manage to get over them for ten nanometers, it also makes the process easier going forward. I'd maybe love to that, believe that. I would maybe love that's to the idea. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, even if it does come, the first product they're promising is a general purpose GPU, which is meant for data data center AI and high performance yeah. computing tasks. So I don't think this is gonna be a product that most people will be using anyway. So yeah. That uh, probably until 2022, at least for general consumers to start seeing this in devices, even if this schedule is to be believed, I, th- I think it, it will be a while. Right. All right. That's all we got. So we yeah. talked about a lot, and and um, how long we've been how long we've been going? An hour and ten minutes, I think, an hour or so. So that that was a lot of news. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a lot. It was a busy week. It's not going to be. A, we do have some cool stuff for next week. I do just want to reiterate that because uh, I mentioned it last week. There's no there's no big events going on, but we do have some cool stuff. And then we and then of course we got the the One Plus Seven Pro events. Um, do they have two devices planned still? Because all I hear about is is the Pro. Uh, no, but they do have two because this week they actually announced. Um... 
that they're going to have UFS 3.0 storage. And I thought that was interesting because Samsung promised that for their Galaxy Fold, they were going to be the first ones to use it. Right. But now with the delay... The Galaxy Fold is folded. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so now with that, OnePlus is going to be the first one to have UFS 3.0. And right. But what they say is that the... I have, let me just bring it up because I'm not sure what wording they use now. But they said that the OnePlus 7 series or family oh, they did will have... The okay. Yeah, the OnePlus 7 series will include the, F, the FS 3.0. So even the cheaper device, the, the OnePlus 7, will, will apparently have it based on the wording they're using on Twitter. So that's nice. And yeah. I would have thought it would only do it for the Pro, to be honest, because that's all the rage now. Yeah. But it's good that's for both. And I'm interested to see how well that performs because, you know, it's the first time we're going to have UFS 3.0. Right. So. Cool. That'll be, that'll be fun. I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll, they said they're going to send me a device. They didn't tell me which one if they have too. So um, well, I'll, be, I'll be at the event next week. Okay, so whichever one they send you, can you just ask them to send me the other one? Because I, I, I want something. <laughs> <laughs> they probably don't send to Portugal, to be honest. And, yeah. um, but, all, right, all right, so let's, uh, I guess we'll, we'll see everybody next week. We got some, I, I, you'll see. You'll, you'll see. It's some cool stuff. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. We got some have surprises a good week, guys. for us. All right, have, yes. a good, have a good one, everyone.